0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, author of four books on cycling, most recently Saddle sore, Ride Comfortable, Ride Happy, and also a writer about pretty much all things fitness, as well as a doer of pretty much all things fitness. And with me is my co-host and also husband, Peter Glassford.
1: Welcome to the Consummate Athlete. And indeed, I am Molly's husband, and I am also a coach with Smart Athlete. Uh, a professional mountain bike racer and a registered kinesiologist here in Ontario. So really what we're doing here with the Consummate Athlete Podcast is very in that kinesiology realm where we're looking at all sorts of different movements and sort of how we can get better, you know, at whether that's playing a pickup game of hockey or some soccer, kicking the soccer ball around, you know, or doing something like parkour that might help us move a little better through the environment. So been really exciting so far, lots and lots of guests over the last year. Um, And today we have a really great guest in Lauren Sesselman, a professional soccer player.
0: Yes, she sort of combines the best of both of our worlds, since she's American-born, but plays for an international Canadian team. Uh, And since Peter's Canadian and I'm American, it was sort of a a good mix. We had a lot of places uh, in common with her as far as, you know, where we've been. Uh, Lauren is super cool because she's not just a pro soccer player, though. She's also a fitness entrepreneur. Uh, She has these great uh, core work and 10-minute, you know, quick workout wherever you are DVDs. They're called Fit as a Pro, and I admit I've actually been cheating on Peter's 10-minute core routine that he made for me and doing some of hers just to, to mix things up.
1: For sure, and definitely, I uh, we're going to link to those in the show notes so that all of my clients can get lots of ideas, uh, some cool routines. There definitely, you know, drawing from Lauren's soccer experience, there's a lot of agility stuff, um, and just sort of her, her claim to fame. If you check out her Instagram, which again we link to in the show notes over at Um her her claim to fame and what you'll see in a lot of her Instagrams is that she does a lot of fitness and core routines and stuff in, in her many traveling roles as molly said she's played on a couple different teams sort of the national canadian team but then also a couple professional teams in the states and so she's always living out of a suitcase so really cool you know even if you're not going to invest in those 10 minute core routines the fitness dvds that you can download uh, her youtube and also her instagram are great resources just to get some ideas on you know how you might do a workout while you're watching the kids at home or Maybe you're traveling for business or something, you know, and you're stuck in a hotel room. What can you do, you know, to sort of keep getting stronger, keep moving in different ways through the different range of motion? So very excited to show you guys this podcast today. Um, Molly, what was your favorite sort of takeaway or, or main thing we talked about today other than the core videos?
0: yeah we didn't just talk about core videos that was probably the first like 20 minutes but we really get into some tips on kind of getting into soccer and as someone who really loved soccer as a kid um but hasn't played it as an adult I was really curious to kind of figure out how one can get back into soccer at an advanced age and you know how to do some practicing I really like the idea she had about just you know kicking a ball around kicking it at a wall to practice some agility stuff um Kicking, actually, what I really loved is I was always terrible at offense and soccer. So being able to uh, set up uh, pylons in a goal and then aiming for between the pylons instead of just in the goal to get better at actually scoring, uh, I sort of loved. What about you?
1: Yeah, I did like the kicking the ball against the wall thing. You know, at the gym, we often use, you know, volleyball or different ball sports sort of as a group and so i think that's something i like that idea of the the agility the foot sort of hand foot to eye coordination if you will foot to ball coordination because um, a lot of us miss that you know we didn't play a lot of soccer as youths or we went right into endurance sports and are absolutely absolutely useless and ter- useless in terms of hand eye coordination so I think the wall drill is something that I'll definitely sort of incorporate as warm-ups and sort of within strength routines or on, you know, even an off day or something, maybe even around bike practice. But the other thing I really liked was that, you know, if you're going to go do a pickup soccer league or something, which is on Molly and my to-do list is to get into some co-ed stuff as we get settled somewhere, someday. (laughs) But the sh- importance of shoes, you know, if you're going to go and do something, whether that's weightlifting or parkour or cycling, there's usually a, a shoe. And as much as I hate having lots of shoes, He's it does lying. make loves a difference. having lots
0: of shoes. Massive so that, shoe I think, direction.
1: was for me, was just, you know, if you're going to go play soccer and try and do your best or improve having, borrowing, you know, getting a used set of shoes is a pretty important thing so that you can feel that ball and handle the ball well and get grip on whatever turf or surface you're playing on. So that was for me. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, we don't want to give too much away like her tips for how not to kick a ball. So let's get into it, shall we? Enjoy our chat with Lauren Susselman. Thanks for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you're listening to this, we're assuming you're already well on your way to being the consummate athlete that you you hope to become. And if you're already one of the healthy people, did you know that you can get a special rate due to an active and health-conscious lifestyle on your life insurance?
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for a life insurance company to go and you know give great rates to healthy people, active people, just like yourself. Cyclists, runners, CrossFitters, whatever you're into, they're offering great rates for healthy people because for them, it's a win. You know, we are seeing way lower risk of things like heart disease, lower risks of early death. So why not give those people a, a lower rate on their life insurance?
0: Absolutely. If you want to check this out and test your health IQ over at Health IQ, visit healthiq.com backslash Again, that's healthiq.com backslash consummate athlete. We'll have a link in the show notes as well if you don't have a place to write it down. Definitely worth checking out. It's a huge savings and just such an awesome thing to do seeing a company is supporting, you know, really active people like yourself.
1: And they're supporting this podcast. I mean, if if you're just even like, I don't know about this. I don't even know what life insurance is. Why don't you go over They have some pretty cool quizzes, actually. Uh, They have some cycling quizzes. They have a weightlifting quiz that I took. I got a question wrong, and I had to retake it because I couldn't possibly have not gotten 100%, so I had to retake it. So, I mean, it's a pretty neat website, actually. So, if you just go check it out, that'd be awesome. Again, uh, healthiq.com slash athlete. Go check that out. We'd appreciate it. And I think in the end, it might just save
0: you some money. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. (laughs)
1: Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Today we're really excited to be with Lauren Sesselman, who is a professional soccer player, but she's also branched out. She's been in some movies, um, some scary movies even, Um, and then she also has her own uh, line and slowly growing line of of fitness uh, videos that you can download. So we'll give you the links and talk about that a bit more here in a minute. Um, But we're really excited to sort of talk about all these different elements that she's put into sort of her consummate athlete lifestyle. So Lauren, welcome to the Consummate Athlete.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. And you're down in Miami right now, but you grew up in Green Bay.
2: Yes, I grew up in the frozen tundra. And then I played for the Canadian national team, as a lot of people know, uh, through my father, who was born in Newfoundland.
1: Okay. Okay. Now, where where did, is the team based? at? Like when you were playing for them, where would you guys practice? And, and we would play?
2: be mostly in um, Vancouver and then occasionally in Toronto.
1: Okay. Okay. Because um, I know our, our Toronto soccer club, the Toronto FC, is is pretty big for mm-hmm. the guys. So would you guys play at a sort of similar spot?
2: Yeah, um, we would play exactly where they play, actually. We've had a couple games there, um, and they had quite a season. So that's pretty phenomenal to see that. And um, But yeah, most of the time we're in um, Vancouver, so...
1: Okay. All right. Well, why don't you take us back and just give us sort of a a, a bio of sorts, sort of how you got into soccer and and sort of move up through that. um, Yeah,
2: of course. Um, I actually was a huge basketball player growing up and that was kind of my sport. And one day my mom signed me up for soccer and I think it was 10 or 11 years old. And she's like, you're going to go out there. You're going to play this. I'm like, no, I don't want to. Um, it was co-ed at the time. So I sat on the bench for, you know, most of the, the practice. And then finally the coach was like, let's try this. So I, I'm like, okay, I get up, I score a goal and I throw a boy on the ground. My mom picks me up and I'm like, mom, this is my sport. And ever since then, it's just, it's kind of been my sport and it's just kind of just taken off for me. And, um, you know, growing up, I was always, you know, trying to play on the best team in the state. So I would always drive two hours to and from practice. So I was a very committed athlete. Um, it was something I wanted to do. I, you know, I dreamed of becoming a professional soccer player after watching the ham, watching the U S Canada, um, you know, just crush it. And so my kind of my, you know, my eyes were just set forward and it's like, this is what you want. This is what you're going to do. And nothing's going to get in my way. And, you know, went to Purdue university. Um, and then once I graduated, played in the, in the pros and, played for the last what has it been like nine years oh that makes me sound really old um but yeah I've been playing for the, the last like nine years and um it's been quite a ride played for the Canadian national team for the past six years um played in you know the Pan American Games where we have a gold medal the Olympics where we have a bronze medal and also the World Cup so you know I've been very fortunate to have done it all and um also I started a fitness company and I also have um, a soccer camp um, that I do worldwide um, to kind of help grow the athlete both on and off the field and a bunch of other things. So um, it's been quite a wild ride so far, and I'm, you know, really excited to see what this year brings.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff there I want to talk about. Um, okay. Why don't we start with the DVDs and sort of this fitness idea? I know you're mm-hmm. you're sort of well known. At, we'll link to your Instagram and, and your Twitter and stuff, because people can see some sort of in the field workouts you've done while you've been traveling and stuff. And certainly, when you look through your bio and all the teams you play on, and I, I assume the professional teams you're playing on, sort of at the same time, and it's overlapping with all the Olympic like national team mm-hmm. stuff, right? So you're you're on the road all the time. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of the inspiration then for the, the Fit as a Pro DVD series?
2: Yeah. So uh, Fit as a Pro are all 10-minute high-intensity um, workouts that you can do wherever you are, no equipment. Um, but basically, they're for any type of fitness level. It's basically you can do what you can do in that amount of time. Um, and so a kind of the inspiration behind it was, you know, you know, fitness is always in my lifestyle. I'm always on the road. I'm always traveling you know, I always have my parents that tell me, oh, I don't have enough time to work out or, you know, or just business people or whoever. I mean, that's the day and age that we live in that nobody has time for anything anymore. And they're trying to find the, the, the quickest routes to do stuff to get, you know, the desired effects. And, um, for me, it was just kind of like finding things in my hotel room to work out with. Um, if I wasn't, being able to use weights, you know, I would use some towels for some resistance and you'd be surprised. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but you'd be surprised at how much they actually work your body out or a pillow or a chair or whatever's in there. Because sometimes you're on the road, the the gym isn't very nice. So there isn't one at all, um, or using your outside surroundings. Um, so that's kind of where it all stemmed from. And it's just kind of blossomed over the last two years. And, you know, I'm really proud of it. And, Um, you know, now it's just kind of like the fitness industry is kind of taking off. You see a lot on, you know, Instagram and stuff. So, you know, we have a great following. I love, my favorite thing is getting messages from people to say, you know, how I've jump started their, you know, their workouts and their exercise routine. They're happy, they're healthy, they're, they're feeling the body change. So for me, that's, what's really inspiring. And we're, we're taking those, um, these workouts on the road and going to start doing some more boot camps around the world. So I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned it when we were sort of talking ahead of this. I've had really good luck. I, I coach cyclists mostly, uh, mm-hmm. but endurance athletes and similar thing, you know, they, they love their sport. So, uh, you know, maybe they're they're a little better off than the general population as far as fitness and getting and doing stuff and moving. But, mm-hmm. you know, getting them to do any sort of strength training or anything that's not their their main sport is tough a lot of times. And for some yeah. reason, you know, I'd always be like, okay, 45 minutes strength routine twice a week, you know, right out of the textbook. And then for, for some reason, I was like 10 minutes in the morning every day. Let's just mm-hmm. do it every day, you know. And some people do it right before their workout or before bed or wherever it fits. But that 10 minutes, for some reason, I have had the best, like, uh, adherence yeah. I think I've had with probably anything so yeah. when when I saw your stuff, I was really excited. So we'll definitely link to that, um, and I'll start getting that to people. Um, now you have a new one you're working on now. What what's sort of what's going to be the difference in this third episode or edition?
2: Um, you'll see a lot of different exercises that I haven't done in, in the previous DVDs. Um, a lot of, like I had one DVD that was more high intensity and then another one was for, for smaller spaces. So that was more, you know, a little bit more lower impact and it's ex- actually one of the most popular ones compared to the, the higher intensity. Um, but this one is going to be a kind of a mixture of the cardio, the strength, the plyo work, um, core work. And then there's a day that's just more for uh, stretching and a little bit of yoga and a little bit of foam rolling. Home rolling because a lot of people forget it, to do the stretching part, which I think is, you know, is so important, you know, especially us as endurance athletes that, um, you have. And so, um, it's just going to be a week program that we're going to have just to kind of jumpstart people if, you know, they're looking to start out or those higher intensity athletes. So it's just really like pushing yourself to the limit that you can do. So, you know, it is for every fitness level. It, you know, you'll see towels. We have two towel workouts in there, one towel strength workout and one towel cardio workout. Um, I promise you they will kick your butt, (laughs) um, and they're fun and they're only 10 minutes long. So you can do it before your day starts or, you know, at the end, whatever you feel comfortable with. And I think it's just a great little workout to get in for the day.
1: Yeah. The interface is pretty good. You can sort of customize too. You know, if you had, you have 20 minutes or you want to warm up with one of the easier ones and then go into, you know, one of the more high intensity ones there, it's pretty slick to sort of go between them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and definitely the high-intensity one, it gets moving. Like, there's, like, some burpee, like, sort of standing up, jumping, and then down, like, push-up, and, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you're moving all around. It's pretty sweet. Um, what was I going to say? The soccer, like, how much has soccer training influenced, you know, what, the exercise and stuff? Like, are you integrating some of the agility and sort of jumping and stuff that I would expect you guys are doing on the field and in mm-hmm. your condition?
2: Yeah, I mean, soccer is, we do a lot of stuff that's similar to football. So you do a lot of the fast footwork, you do a lot of the agility, um, you know, the, the strength training, the, uh, the balance training, um, all that kind of stuff. So I try to incorporate all those things. People always ask me how, how I'm training, how I stay fit. Um, you know, even I went through injuries. A lot of people that have gone through injuries or have bad knees or something like that, like I can help them. And so I try to cater a lot towards um, people like that as well. Um, so there's just, you know, for me, like I do a lot of the skater jumps, we're doing a lot of just fast footwork stuff. Um, that kind of stuff I incorporate in my, my soccer, you know, on a daily, obviously when I'm in season and stuff like that, we do a little bit more stuff with weights. Um, so it's a little bit different. Um, but when I'm out of season and I'm on the road and I need to get that, that quick, you know, that quick workout in, we do that. And I incorporate that in when I'm doing ball work and stuff like that. So maybe we'll, we'll take the soccer ball and we're doing you know, some shooting and all of a sudden you're like 10 burpees with the ball or here you go. So, um, I also have some stuff on YouTube that incorporates a soccer ball just to kind of change it up, um, some core workouts and stuff like that. If people want to try something different, but you'd be surprised at how much this stuff is used, you know, in sports. Um, so it's kind of cool that people can be like, oh, I'm kind of working out, you know, like athletes are. So uh, people really seem to enjoy it.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you describe, let's just use the two examples you gave, like just so people sort of get an idea, and and we can certainly link to this in the show notes too, but just sometimes you have to have the audio. Like for something like a a skater jump, what is someone doing there? Like what's the motion like?
2: So you're kind of going from side to side into like a mini squat. Um, so you're, so you're jumping, but you can also do like, I did it as, so people can do a modification as just stepping and doing it too. Um, just making sure your you know, your knee is nice and um, aligned, your core is nice and tight. So you're just getting a nice little side to side cardio work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of my, it's one of my favorites, but, um, you know, as a lot of people know that I went through an ACL, so there's just some stuff that I'm, I can't go as low as some people can now. And so I think that's great that I can relate to a lot of people that have had maybe an injury like that as well.
1: Was it your left one?
2: Um, it was my right one.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, interesting. It's often, yeah, that's funny. The, so let's talk about the ACL because I'm mm-hmm. sort of intrigued by that. and I actually have yeah. a couple of clients who are battling that right now. Um, thanks to ice and so forth here in Canada. Yeah. Um, so what did you find really helped with the ACL? You know, you're, you're probably had to deal with it in season or trying to get back and ready for a season. So, you know, how did you overcome that ACL?
2: You know, it's, it's not easy at all for me. Uh, it happened when I was 31. So, um, not to age myself, um, but you know, it's a little bit harder when you're a little bit older. Um, you know, I've had people that I've talked to who did it when they were younger and they bounced back right away. My process, was, you know, a little bit longer and everyone's body is different. And I think people forget that some people come back quicker. Some people, it takes a little bit longer to their body, get used to it. It Depends how much muscle uh, mass you lost beforehand, before the surgery. Um, You know, it's, it's a mental, it's, it's all mental. It's 100% mental. It's just how far you think you can push yourself and trust yourself. And, you know, for me, it took me a full year, you know, plus a little bit after that to actually feel 100% one hundred percent. They say what it takes two years for you to feel back to your old self. I was pushing to get back for the World Cup, and I felt great going into the World Cup. I felt really well prepared. Um, I think, as I said, the the battle is is the mental, and I struggled. You know, it took me a long time. Like I was kind of getting some feedback. Where the problem was, I was in two different teams at the same time, so everyone's feedback is different. So there was one team that was rushing me in, and then there was another team that was like, "Okay, take your time going through." So uh, there was times where I thought I was fine and then I was actually running correctly, incorrectly. So I had to relearn it again. So I had to stop and then relearn. So the process is, is, is a very frustrating one, but if you have an end goal, um, you know, for me was the world cup. So every day, you know, I'd have a little mantra, you know, kind of like up on my wall and be like, okay, this is what I'm fighting for. I wake up, you know, world cup, I gotta go help my team. This is what I want to do. So, I find that you kind of, if you have that kind of instilled in your mind, you have, you know, your why and your purpose, you're waking up every day to get better towards that. And, you know, I've become a lot stronger over the years. You know, I've learned different things from different trainers that I still use, um, every day, um, you know, in my training that, that helps build up that muscle because, you know, you have the, as you age, you get the, the the factors like arthritis and things like that. And, unfortunately I have a little bit of that so I have to just keep things at bay and you know it hasn't hindered me in any way I'm still going you know full steam ahead every day so um yeah the ACL isn't easy but if you have a a good amount of people supporting you and you kind of just have that drive you're you're gonna do really well
1: sure now were there you mentioned sort of some of the trainers have showed you some stuff is there any like in particular exercises that you found have been helpful and even just like helping maintain that sort of Stiffness, like a lot of people talk maybe about the hamstring strength and stuff yeah. like that, uh, um, quadriceps, flexibility, that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, the VMO is like, the the biggest thing because if that's not working, like, your knee is going to be, you know, not stable. Um, so we would do a lot with with bands, with resistant bands. Um, we would probably do about the first, like, 30, 40 minutes of just band work and, and just strengthening, you know, the glutes, the hamstrings, and... Um, even putting like a resistant band around like, uh, like a pole and then just doing like VMO pumps and using, um, a stability ball to do, um, you know, quad VMO pumps on there as well. So that was kind of in like, like leg press and stuff like that. And a lot of balance work, um, mm. you know, was the big thing too. So I still do those things every day cause I feel like they help. So.
1: Right. And like you're saying, even back to the skater, you wouldn't be jumping initially after that injury, but you might be stepping mm-hmm. sort of side to side over like a, a line or over a, a mini hurdle or something like that. Right. And then exactly. sort of working on that one leg stance and then gradually sort of stepping further or, you know, little tiny hops. Exactly. Um, would you be doing something like a hamstring curl on a, on a ball or with the band?
2: Um, yeah, I did a lot of that stuff, too. I did that. Um, it's different. I would do that. Uh, manually with the with my trainer first and then once i could do it myself he would you know, hold it and then we would do like the hamstrings where you fall and oh, you know, okay like a nordic yeah,
1: hamstring yeah oh, like nice. the nordic
2: hamstrings you know those are my <laughs> my least favorite things but they work great but we would do a lot of manual stuff so they would be like pushing on me um and i think that's great having somebody that can can work with you like that because you know i it sometimes it's hard because a lot of people your insurance only covers you know, so many things. So what can these people do after that, you know, when they can't get yeah. working with the trainer insurance? So that's something that I'm actually working on right now that I think is going to be a big, something very beneficial for people who have been going because ACLs are becoming so prevalent everywhere you everywhere you turn, everyone's doing their ACLs and it's, it's crazy. So um, we're working on a little something um, for that, for fit as a pro, which I'm really excited about this year.
1: Thanks. That's exciting. And yeah. definitely let me you know when that comes out. Okay. Um, okay. So that's a little bit of training stuff there. Um, why don't we move to, why don't we even shift gears a little bit, and let's just tell us a little bit about, like, what's professional soccer like, especially for females right now? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's unfortunate we don't see nearly as much on TV and that sort of yeah. stuff. So what's what's going on in professional soccer right now, uh, I guess, in North America, since we're calling it soccer? Uh so mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an exciting time. I think the World Cup and the Olympics have really pushed uh, female soccer to the forefront. You know, having the U.S. girls winning, um, you know, gold medal and then even Canada, we've had two bronze in the last couple of years and other things. So I think it's exciting to see the following that we're getting. You know, people are recognizing, wow, females, they can really play. Um, and I've had many people say, oh, you guys are so much fun to watch. You know, you just get down and dirty and, um, you're really physical and you guys, you know, so I think that's just, just kind of a testament to, you know, the sport is growing. There's still a long way to go. Um, in the pro league, the NWSL that we have, um, you know, the attendance records are getting a lot better. Um, there is a lot more we can do like partnering with the MLS. I think those teams have had, you know, significant success you see portland getting the same amount of fans as as the men um so there is still ways to go but the the thing is which is great is that we haven't folded you know so the last couple attempts for the league have folded and right now we're adding teams instead of you know taking away and this was the last time they were saying that they were going to you know try the women's professional league so we have to make it survive so I think everyone's trying to do anything in their power to try to to keep that alive. And, you know, it has to do with all the, the people coming to watch our games, too. But I think what hurts us is, you know, we don't have the TV deals and stuff like that for people to be able to watch on TV as well, which I think would help um, kind of grow the game. And a lot of people don't even know about us or know that we're in those cities. And, um, you know, it's just continuing to get it out there. But... I think it's great that you have a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, I got your Jersey over the guy's Jersey or something, not to knock the guys or anything. Cause they're, they're great. But I think right. this just kind of shows you how, how it's grown. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of sports are starting to see, like certainly in mountain biking, they're, we're starting, We don't have a lot of television coverage for the guys or the girls, but mm-hmm. um, there's definitely still a bit of that inequality. Um, yeah. And, and but the women's racing is actually really exciting mm-hmm. right now. The last couple yeah. of years have been really good, so you're starting to see that that same sort of trend where the fans are getting almost more into that, and the television and sort of online coverage is, is almost as as good. Um, so hopefully, good things to come for for all women's sport, but. Um, Can you speak to, so just to confirm the MLS, so they're trying to, like, sort of have a men's and women's team under the same, like, name Mm -hmm. sort of thing? So, like, the same Toronto FC might have, like, a a women's team someday. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, like, Houston, Houston has one, um, and we have Portland and Kansas City. Uh, I think there was one more. I can't remember. So that's going to help us, and I think that's going to help us generate You know more income for the ladies as well because I feel like you know the league is getting there and they're doing their best, but there is still so much to do for the females, like the housing and you know um, our contracts and stuff like that. Like it still needs to be better on that end, but you know it's a slow process. So we're we're trying to help the future generations right now.
1: Right, I guess that would help maybe minimize some costs and stuff, right? Yeah, same stadium, even like logoing and stuff, right? If it was the same or similar yeah huh, okay that's interesting uh, let's go now with your soccer camps so you mentioned sort of working internally and externally um mm-hmm. what do you what is, what's the rough idea with that i'm curious to know sort of how you're bringing that that sort of camp atmosphere is that for kids or who are you looking at with that
2: Yeah. You know, usually we do about ages like seven to 18. Um, We're kind of playing with some new ideas. You know, last year, um, my soccer camps were called Success Through Soccer. And now we're kind of rebranding them. We've had some huge camps up in Canada, um, a few in the US, but we want to do like a whole tour. And we want to do it in conjunction with boot camps for adults as well. So that's kind of, you know, our mindset um, going forward this year. But, you know, what's great is, we're trying to change the mindset a little bit. Um, We want to change it to like almost like a level up with the pros and kind of bring other pro athletes into the mix. Um, So the kids have a chance to meet them, but we want these camps to be where you can focus on helping the athlete both on and off the field. So helping them with the nutrition and the leadership, which I think is something a lot of people don't do in their camps. And I think it's something that a lot of people need, you know, I, I get a lot of questions from a lot of kids and especially a lot of parents. And so I think, kind of bringing that into the camps is something that's, that's really huge. Um, But, you know, like soccer has, has, you know, given me so much opportunity. It's made me into the individual I am today. And, you know, um, you know, it works on teamwork and confidence and all that kind of stuff. So I want to have these camps where it's a safe haven for these girls um, or kids to make mistakes and for us to be okay. Um, Especially with how society is today. Um, so we just want to have like a place where people can just make mistakes and just become better people and, um, and athletes. So, um, that's kind of our mentality going into this year. And, um, so we're pretty excited. We're going to launch a tour coming up soon. Um, so everyone keep their eye out for that. Yeah.
1: Okay. So now are these kids who have played soccer or are you getting pretty new, uh, we're
2: getting yeah, we're getting a mix, kind of a mix. There's people that, you know, are interested in it, like especially the younger kids. Um, and then we have, you know, the older kids that have, you know, been into it or they just need a little bit more more help or just, like, they have questions about moving forward with a career if they want to get to the level that I've been at. Um, how do they get there? A lot of, especially coming from a small city like Green Bay, like, people just don't know how to get there or they're, they're not going to be seen as much as a, a person coming from like New Jersey or a bigger city or something like that. So it's just kind of helping people with the process, but then also help molding them.
1: Okay. So why don't we use that then? What what advice do you give to a young athlete who's, you know, maybe playing a bit of soccer, you know, they're, they're in sort of whatever rec league or coming up through just sort of the basic development and, you know, in a small town, mm-hmm. what, what what would be, what like, what are they looking for? Are they looking to school or or where are they looking as far as next steps once they're sort of outgrowing that local, like, house league type environment?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, everyone's different. Um, and I think, like, for, for me, like, I kind of based my, where I was going to go to high school. Um, so I think first looking within your city, try to find, you know, if you're really serious about it try to find like the team. Like for me, I drove two hours to and from practice every day just to play on a team that was going to help me. Um, because like the teams in green Bay just weren't going to the tournaments that I needed to get noticed at. So I I've helped a couple girls do that. They went and played on this other team and you know, they all got D one scholarships. So that for me is so rewarding to see. So I think it's just utilize the people like utilize people like me in your city, you know, um, you'd be surprised that, Uh, how easy it is to talk to all of us athletes and to kind of get feedback and stuff like that. But, you know, find a school that that works for you and where you feel like you can fit in as a team. And then when you're looking for colleges, like I suggest really going on all your visits. And don't be afraid to ask people about that process because you can get really lost in the shuffle. Um, So that's like just a big thing, I think, just talking to people and then, you know, just going for it. And having confidence, I think that's the the biggest thing. I've been told no and been cut so many times. And if I, I would have let that stop me, then I wouldn't be where I am now. So I think that's a big thing for – I have a lot of girls that come up to me and they're like, my coach said this or I'm not good enough. And, you know, and I've sat them down like, what do you want? And what do you know what it takes to get there? And if you're willing to do that, then you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to do it. So I think that's a big thing.
1: Yeah, it is amazing. You know, I, I don't know if it has to do with sort of our social media culture, but that idea of reaching out to people, you know, and, and like I said, mm-hmm. cycling is pretty small. And as you say, like, you know, a lot of the soccer players are, are fairly accessible, really. And social media can help you get a hold of these people. But, you know, you would probably be more than willing to get on the phone or even meet up with someone, um, you know, a younger athlete who was just wondering about where to go or, you know, what opportunities or what pathway, you um, you know, I had a young athlete just phone the other day and I said, yeah, let's just jump on the phone. And he, you know, he was had a bunch of questions, really intelligent young, young guy. And, you know, we just talked about cycling and where he could go, but, you know, just about his training and, you know, he was maybe tr- charging a little too hard and, you know, just talked mm-hmm. about what he actually needed to be doing. Right. And yeah, so, you know, I think people,
2: yeah. Uh, going off of that though, like I think people just don't know how to train correctly. Like I've noticed that with a lot of the kids, like, the coaches in the area are great, but they're not teaching them maybe what they need to be at that level. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, just looking for a mentor of sorts, right? Like many different forms, but you know, just being willing to ask questions and, you know, be vulnerable. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a, a, a good skill to have, but I think it's maybe getting rarer and rarer.
2: Yeah. I think what going on, just one more thing, sorry, that this little, this little girl, um, I said, I went to speak to them in Toronto and she was, she wrote, I said, you guys can always reach out to me, you know? And she wrote me and she's like, I don't think you're going to read this, but I'm having a really tough time. I'm just not grasping like this one move or I can't talk to anybody. I can't, you know, my parents don't understand soccer. Um, I just I really I really just need some some advice or some help to you know I just don't feel like I'm improving as a player and so I wrote back to her and I said hey you want to Skype you know and let, let's talk through it because I think especially like the, the little teenagers or some they feel like they can't talk to people or they keep mm-hmm. things inside and I think what's great as you know us as role models is that we can be there to help that and I think that that really made my day to someone to have to actually reach out to me and not be afraid to like ask me these kind of questions because there's a lot of people that, that are struggling and then I've had little girls come crying to me and you know and it's just it's for me that's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah and it could be something that's completely irrelevant, right? Like, yeah. And it's like, oh no you don't, you know, you'll figure that out after you do this, this other skill, right? Or you know, mm-hmm. you don't need, you know, try this first or whatever, right? Like it might not even be that complicated, no one's just yeah. going to explain it right. Um yeah that's that's awesome and I think the the mentorship thing is a really good takeaway for sure. Um so mm-hmm. hopefully people will will take that initiative and, and be vulnerable and, and get out and ask questions and and see who they can connect with. Um staying on that sort of same idea I'm wondering if you could sort of give you know we like to get a couple terms out of soccer just for people who aren't super exposed to it. So this is more even rapid fire type stuff but um what if you had to think of sort of three terms off the top of your head for soccer you know, to understand the game, you know, to do a mm-hmm. basic pickup game, to watch it on, you know, TV or whatever. Um, what, what sort of terms come to mind?
2: Oh, man. Um, I guess if someone's never, like, really played before, I guess it'd be, like, dribbling or doing moves or heading okay. the ball, um, you know, movement, like, just moving, um, finding space. Is, is a big thing. Um, just moving to, to find space in order to get the ball. Um, yeah, I guess like just stuff like that are just basic soccer terms that. Sure.
1: So dribbling would be just sort of back and forth between your feet, like being able to. Yeah. Like
2: dribbling handle. the ball and, you know, throwing out moves and, you know, yeah. going at somebody one-on-one.
1: Okay. And then your other one was making space. So how, how, is there a way you can describe, like, how do you make space? I think that's a good skill and relates to a lot of team sports. And, um, I mean, even in cycling, when you're in a group and stuff, they talk about making space in some way. So when, is there a way you can describe, like, what is a tactic to make space?
2: Well, you'll see like, you know, sometimes if you watch, um, like little kids play or something like that, when they're like all kind of grouped up and just kind of how you're talking about it in racing, that's all, they're all grouped. So it's, making space, like utilizing, you know, the whole field that you have to open up the play so people can, when they put their head up to look for you, they can see you. So it's just making space away from all the chaos to, to receive the ball. Um, I guess it's kind of the way to describe it. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. um, and then there was a third term, and I'm sorry, I blanked on what your your it was in the middle there. What was I the- I think I uh, said
2: just movement or heading the ball. Maybe? Oh,
1: heading the ball. Perfect. So that seems really risky to me. So so what, is there a, a way that we can <laughs> head the ball? Like, how would you instruct someone to sort of- um, You
2: want to head the ball um, basically kind of in between your forehead and your hairline, like kind of in that little space right there where it's, you know, a little bit harder. You don't want to hit it on the top of your head. Right. Otherwise, it's going to really hurt. <laughs> So you're almost, like,
1: head in the ball, like, Yeah, right? like, yeah
2: and okay. make sure you don't hit yourself in, in the nose. You don't want a broken nose. Um, don't close your eyes because if you're going up for a header and you close your eyes, you don't know where those elbows from someone else are going to come. <laughs> so, and have your arms up with you to kind of guard you and to, you know, um, so you can push people out of the way so you'll win the ball.
1: Okay. Uh, another sort of rapid fire question. If someone was going to go to sort of a co-ed, like, pickup type thing, what would be, like, basic gear you need to go go play?
2: Um, definitely shin guards, because if you never played, people, um, <laughs> you like to kick a lot. <laughs> and um, so shin guards and soccer socks and your shoes, either cleat or, like, indoor shoes, depending on if you're playing on turf or wherever you're playing.
1: Okay. And what, what are soccer socks? Just like high socks or what?
2: Yeah. Like higher socks that will cover your shin guards so they don't fall
1: out. Uh, okay. So you're not like taping your shin guards, aren't you? You're just the socks are. Yeah.
2: Divided. I wouldn't do that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but do they, do they inter- integrate this like shin pad into the sock or do you usually have separated?
2: They're separate. Um, I don't know if they make those anymore. I think they used to have that back in the day, but I don't, I don't think they do that anymore.
1: Yeah, I'm just picturing, like, for some reason, like, fitness uh, sort of video type, like, high sock with, like, really big, like, I don't know, like, lots of material there. So, I think it's, it's probably probably one <laughs> less like, I
2: like, yeah, I like thinner the better because you're going to have to put your shoes on. So, you want to nice. be comfortable.
1: Okay, and then what's the difference between an indoor shoe and an outdoor shoe? Uh,
2: well, the outdoors are the cleats that have the actual, like, little cleat bottoms. Um, and then the indoor shoe just is like a regular, like it's like a more smoother surface. Um, it's a little bit different than a running shoe. Um, it's, so it's easier to control the ball cause you know how running shoes are really chunky. So it's, it has a smooth, nice bottom. You can play in a gym. Um, sometimes you can play it with them on the turf. Um, there's a lot of different types of cleats out there. They also have turf shoes too, that have like little nubs on the bottom.
1: Right.
2: Um, so I mean, I've never, I don't really ever wear those. I usually just wear cleats on
1: turf. Okay, and is it, like, with a soccer shoe or a cleat, like, would you notice that you'd notice a a big difference in terms of how well you're able to kick and run and and sort of stuff compared to, you know, wearing, like, a running shoe?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, running shoes are very, very chunky, and you can't really control the ball very well. Uh, You can notice a big difference, like, when you're playing around with a soccer ball, and then when you have a cleat that's nice and smooth, and, you know, they have they make, like, little ridges on there for your touch. Like, every – every cleat is catered to either a different position or a different type of player and you know, that's how they get you right. <laughs> um, so right. Um, yeah, there's a defender shoe and all those kind okay. of things. So,
1: all right. Uh, is there as far as, I don't want to drill too far into buying shoes, but is there, you know, if you were just buying like a basic shoe again for sort of co you're going to play, you know, various positions. Like, is there a keyword or a type of shoe that someone would be better looking at? Um,
2: I mean, it doesn't really matter. There's different price points for all of them. They have like the same shoe, but they'll have it, um, different price points. So so just the way that it's made, um, like the highest of the highest is kangaroo leather. So that's going to be the best leather that's going to mold to your foot and going to be the most comfortable. And then you have like the lowest, which is a little bit more of a cheaper leather that may not mold to your foot as well. Um, but they're, they're cheaper and just, you can just play for pickup and stuff like that. They still feel great, but The kangaroo leather are obviously the top of the line and the best shoes to play with, more comfortable.
1: Alrighty. And Um, I like
2: Nike cleats, so. Okay.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, What was I going to say here? So then we're going to go for kicking, obviously, maybe the next place to go from shoes. So can you give us sort of some advice as far as what you see with, especially maybe the younger kids, because I think Mm -hmm. adults who haven't played much uh, would have similar tendencies. You know, what are the things you're correcting when you're, you know, we're out there, we're just kicking the ball back and forth, learning sort of the basic, you know, passing, basic kicking. What are the Mm -hmm. mistakes people make?
2: Um, A lot of people kick with their toe. um, And that is, the ball won't go the way you want it to. It's going to go like all over the place and it's actually going to really hurt you. Um, So it's better to kick with like your instep, you know, know, right by like your big toe um, on the inside. And keep your head down, keep your body over the ball. Otherwise, if you lean back, it's going to go skyrocketing. Um, So keeping your core tight and keeping your your foot, you know, your leg nice and tight and just getting a nice, clean pass, nice, clean kick, um, just not kicking with your toe and keeping your body over it are probably the two biggest things I would say.
1: Okay. And again, the shoe helps a lot with that. Now, is there, like you say, that sort of the contour of the shoe sort of helps protect that big toe, I would imagine, a little bit as well? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I hadn't thought so much about how important that would be, but that seems like a really good, like, first, like, if you're going to your first co-ed game, that would be pretty confidence-boosting to have a, a decent set of shoes mm-hmm. uh, versus, yeah. like, giant, like, Air Air Jordan, like, <laughs> Nike basketball shoes or something.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, and then as far as like drilling and stuff, you know, if you're going to prepare for this co- co-ed game or you just want to, you know, you have a soccer ball in the garage, you want to just go out and play around and, you know, again, get a bit of that, you know, sort of variety into your movement. Is there something, mm-hmm. you know, what would I do if I was going to go out for half an hour? You know, I got a ball, I got a field, maybe I have a friend. What what am I going to do?
2: I think um, the best thing that I, I still do on a daily basis, but when I'm starting people out is I like to go against a wall. I think that that helps the best or if you have a partner that's great but you can go up against the wall and just start hitting it against the wall and it will help with your control with your touch and just kind of getting used to having the ball at your feet and just lots of touches on the ball is the most important thing you know going slow going fast you know trying to pull off a few little moves here and there just trying different things but like Just the more touches you have with the ball at your feet, the more comfortable you're going to be and the more confident you're going to be when you go out on the field and play. Uh, But just working on, you know, with a partner, some passing, maybe some volleys in the air if they throw it to you and you kick it back to their hands. Um, Stuff like that, you know, maybe work on heading the ball if you want to. Or another great thing is if you have a goal, you can put two cones like kind of in the corner of the goals and try to aim for those. Uh, those cones. Um, so, cause that's where you want to shoot the ball when you're playing, um, in a game because the goalies are usually in the middle and those are their hardest areas for them to, to save the ball.
1: Okay. All right. I like that. And I, I did, I saved a, a link here that I'll put into the show notes as well. If you, uh, sort of volleying and touching against the, the wall, Oh, I'm nice. doing, doing some tricks and stuff. So we'll have that in there for people just so they can get an idea of one, how much skill you have. And then two, just sort of what that sort of basic against the wall idea looks like. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty sweet. I was like, Oh wow.
2: <laughs> Thanks.
1: Control. <laughs> holy cow. Um, okay. Molly always likes to know sort of a cool move that she could do if she were going to go to co-ed soccer and she wanted to impress people. Is there something you can think of that sort of as an early, uh, early learn? Like, you know, if you're going to teach, You know, one of these younger kids, like a little trick or a a volley or something like this. You know, is there something that comes to mind that's sort of not too hard to to learn and pick up?
2: Yeah. Um, Well, volleys are actually pretty hard. Um, I would say just maybe like a basic pullback move. So you're going at somebody and you want to change directions. There's a couple different ways you can do it, but I like to do the pullback where you take your your foot, like the ball of your foot, on top of the ball, and you just pull it back, and you're going the opposite direction. So I don't know if that kind of makes sense. It's hard without demonstrating it. So you're dribbling at somebody. You're kind of at a standstill, like they're in front of you, and you want to go a different way. So I'll take the ball of my foot, it's on top of the ball, and I'll pull it back. So I'll roll it backwards and go a different direction.
1: Okay, so you'll, like, roll it backwards, and then you'll either, like, sort of start cutting to the right or even completely reverse your direction and would you run back? You wouldn't run backfield though, would you? But you might like run um, you, around around them.
2: Yeah, I mean you could run towards the backfield if you know it's kind of clogged up there and you're looking for another player to pass it to or you want to start okay. start over defensively to you know to get the ball moving forward again. It does all depends on how they're playing defense on you.
1: Sure. But that makes sense. You could flip around and then look left or right and you might have a teammate who's running you know, in the correct direction, I guess, or upfield or up to the other, towards the other goal.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: That makes sense. And that's, again, something you could practice is that sort of pullback maneuver Mm -hmm. when you're just sort of playing field and stuff too. Yep. Awesome. Um, Anyone who's sort of playing and stuff, I always like to check in, like, where, where can we watch? Like, is there a streaming site? Do you know, do they broadcast on YouTube? Or where are they playing sort of games, whether that's the professional league or, you know, any of the major games?
2: Yeah, um, I know that Canada has a game coming up um, in February. Um, that should be on, um, I'm not quite sure where the stream is for that, but our league is usually on Fox, um, oh, Fox okay. Sports, um, or YouTube is actually, you know, where all of our, only a couple of the games are on Fox towards the end of the season usually. That's what we're working on, getting a better TV deal. But um, YouTube is where they have all of our games. Um, for the NWSL so you can find all of them past and present so um, I think that's great so
1: okay so we're just looking for the leagues YouTube uh, the NWSL's YouTube channel
2: yeah and if you go to nwslsoccer.com I think is the the website um, it will also link you to the games and stuff
1: okay awesome we'll link to that for sure if people want to check that out and see what a, a professional game looks like um, and then we'll also link to all your uh social media and website and stuff like that. But is there sort of what what would you say is the best one? Like if someone just wants to get an idea of what you're up to and stuff, which which one would you say is sort of the big one for you?
2: I would say um Instagram is probably my biggest platform. Um for me personally, and then for my fitness company, Facebook is actually where we have the biggest following. Um
1: okay. so
2: fit fit as a pro on Facebook. And then I also have an athlete page on Facebook. Um but yeah, Instagram, you'll see my up-to-date stuff. And then we have official fit as a Pro on Instagram as well, where this year we're really going to be doing, uh, we just started that one. So we're going to be doing a lot more on that um, this year.
1: Yeah, we'll link to all that. Awesome. Well, that was lots and lots of info. I, you know, <laughs> I probably talked for a long time here. You got lots going on, but uh, yeah, I think we got a basic idea of soccer and um, drilled in on some of this sort of daily core idea which I'm really excited about so thank you Lauren for all your time
0: Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast uh, to check out all of the show notes for this episode you can head over to consummateathlete.com and we would love to hear from you about what you thought about the podcast you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Molly J. Herford
1: and at Peter Glassford
0: and we would also love it if you would pop over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast so you can tell every time a new episode, a new sport comes out. And if you would leave us a review, let us know how, you, how you're liking it, how we're doing, if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. That would be amazing. And you can find us over on Facebook now, uh, facebook.com backslash athlete. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next time.